Hello and welcome to the Recon Rod. I'm Dane Cash. And I'm Cosmo Catalano. And we are here to talk about Worlds, the 2019 UCI Road World Championships, all caps. We're here to preview the Elite Men's Road Race. That's on Sunday. Of course, the Elite Women Racing on Saturday should be a good one as well. Can anybody beat the Dutch is the storyline there. Uh, definitely tune in for that. And then on Sunday, the Elite Men are going to race... It's been a good week so far at Worlds already. Uh, there's been some been some entertaining racing, and that even includes time trials. Even even they've been entertaining. Yeah, well, uh, entertaining for us perhaps more than for mm. some of the competitors. It's true. Yeah, they weren't exactly close, and yet they no. were still impressive no. and entertaining yeah. because of the dominance displayed by uh, Chloe Digerdone in the women's TT and uh, Rowan Dennis defending his TT title mm-hmm. on the men's side. He, uh, you know. Had a close sprint battle there with Primoz Roglic. <laughs> uh, still came away the day's winner uh, because he had passed Roglic, who was not just his minute man; he was like his several yeah, minute yeah. man. Yeah, it's not you don't you don't want to be sprinting in a time. Trial. No, if, he, if people are sprinting, something has gone very wrong. Yeah, exactly. Um, we're talking about the men's road race. It's on Sunday in Yorkshire. Uh, they're going to be racing. A somewhat familiar route in that they're going to be riding along a lot of the way from the, the grand depart of the 2014 Tour de France, taking take on a circuit in Harrogate after that. Uh, it should be a, a good race from a parkour perspective because it just looks like, uh, it looks like it's going to be pretty unpredictable, which will make our jobs fun. It'll at least make watching the thing fun. Uh, not to don't, mention the other don't, factors. You, you don't jinx it. Don't, if, if this uh, if turns say, into mm. six hours of people riding around with one breakaway, seven minutes up the road and ends in a 30 person sprint, I'm going to be so mad at you. I mean, Milano San Remo, although it hasn't finished that way in the last couple of editions, very often finishes that way and we still watch. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's still exciting for, you know, a couple minutes. It's true. I, yeah. Yeah. I think today's men's uh, men's junior race is the sort of excitement I would like to see. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and tactical, possibly, cagey. Yeah, possibly a guide to the way things might play out. We'll see. Right. I, I think it's hard Ex- to... Except, except for the USA kits on the podium. Uh, f- we can hope, right? Uh, <laughs> no, we can't. Uh, you're right. I don't can't. think we can hope. Uh, I think that would be... A, uh, yeah. Can I can I do like a five-minute rant on, on USA cycling in the World Championships? Well, it, wait, uh, but we just... You got to be happy with the fact that the, an American just won a junior men's title and oh, yeah, a, a, I mean, an American won the elite women's TT title. And those are big, big results. When, when America was... When America... <laughs> When America had legitimately some of the world's top cyclists, not just Lance Armstrong, but kind of across the board, a lot of very good riders, and had come into worlds with top full-strength teams and just sending nobody there with no game plan, that was very frustrating for me. Uh, I, I think there were a couple of years, especially where Chris Horner, who is, is – he's not a great one-day racer, but he's good at reading the race. He could have done some stuff, and they were just like, nah, nah world, no one cares about worlds. Go win some Olympic medals. Yeah, like, yeah. One thing I think I like about Simmons, uh, he, he certainly seems to care about worlds, first of all. Yeah. And he doesn't, in a sort of similar vein, he seems to be, uh, he has embraced his classics skill set. Um, I, I don't think he's going to try to remake himself into a GC guy, which we do kind of see pretty often. Oh, it's so irritating. And I don't okay, think we're going to. Al Philippe yeah. can do it. Al Philippe can try well, it. That, that's yeah. cool. But Al Philippe weighs, what, 25 pounds less than? Simmons is a big guy, yeah, and I think he's he's all in on on what he's good at, and I think that's a that's a good thing to be. I'm I'm excited about his future, um, 
All right, so the men's road race. Let's let's get to it. Let's get talking about yeah, the route here. Sidetracking. And then we'll talk about the contenders. We'll make some picks as we usually do. So the men's road race, elite men's road race at Worlds in Yorkshire runs 200 and well it starts in (laughs) and leads and heads to Harrogate uh total distance it's a lot there's a lot of kilometers to cover in this race uh 280 kilometers it's a long one I've complained about the length of men's worlds before so go watch last year's world's other races one or something not worth repeating here as uh, cycling tips reports it is the second longest race uh one day race on the calendar that's a lot of kilometers to cover, and it is a lumpy one. So the way the route works, they're going to do over 100K. Uh, they're going to do a, a total of 185 kilometers outside uh, of the finishing circuit. And then they're going to roll on to the finishing circuit, which is technical and hilly. And they're going to do seven laps of it. It's it's about 14K long, just under 14K long. There's a bunch of little climbs in it, nothing especially hard. The finish is uphill uh there's a kick uh with like six seven hundred meters to go and then it it's a little bit less steep onto the final finishing straight but it's still uphill uh total elevation gain on the day over three thousand meters that's a lot of climbing uh it, it's an it's enough to make this a pretty similar kind of race to say an amstel gold race so if you're looking for who might thrive here, you might consider uh, the guys who thrived at that race. More on that in a second. Uh, but yeah, the route it, it does have a lot of climbing. A lot of the a lot of the tougher climbs are in the early goings. Uh, that 185k before they drop onto the finishing circuit. So we probably won't see the racing uh, too aggressive out there. But yeah, the finishing circuit is hilly enough that it's gonna, I think, um, wear away at the peloton. I don't think we're gonna see a big group here. Uh, arriving at the finish line in Harrogate. I, was, I, I agree. I, I definitely th- see it as a race of attrition, but I'm slightly concerned that that will make it a lot of the top guys kind of hanging out and not doing that much. I, I think especially with last year's Worlds, where you, I feel like you saw a lot of favorites really caught out by that last, what, what did they call it? Hell Hill or something? That, so there's They had a big, long circuit and then this one super punchy climb kind of rolling them downhill into the finish. And I, I think you saw a lot of people just shattered and exploding because uh, they had not anticipated how long this section that none of the other races did at Worlds, uh, how hard that was going to be. And I think you may see people holding back a little bit more this time around. Uh, one thing that could complicate tactics a little bit, the weather. Uh, it has not been kind to the people riding their bikes in Yorkshire this week so far. Uh, if you watch the under-23 men's time trial, mm, poor guys, you were treated to some... Uh, fascinating images of guys just rolling through giant uh, puddles. Puddles isn't even right. They're just rivers. I mean, the, the lucky ones rolled through. Right. The unlucky, yeah, the unlucky ones. ones hit the deck. Uh, it's been very rainy in Yorkshire in September to the surprise of no one. And it is expected <laughs> to rain again on Sunday, as well as being windy. Uh, it's going to be – it could be chaos out there. I mean, this is a pretty tricky circuit. Uh, if it's raining and windy – yeah, we could see some, we could see the, the weather having a pretty serious impact, I think, on this race. Uh, in addition to the distance, the hills, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's very, it's, it's not, 
there aren't cobbles like you see in Belgium, but it's a very old infrastructure. You know, the roads are narrow. They're, they're, they're kind of sinking and rising in funny spots. Uh, Jan Bakelin said there was a ton of off camber, which is not a word you hear a lot in road racing. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think as we talk, as we'll, as we'll talk about when we get the favorites that, that plays into the advantage of uh, certain riders. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, the distance, the rain, elevation gain. It's going to be a hard race. Uh, it, it's not necessarily, I think, as hard as last year's world. It's not, not a climber's world necessarily. Hard maybe for different reasons. Shorter climbs, but they're, they're still tough. And, uh, I think, I think it's going to be interesting. And hopefully we will continue to have the great racing that we've seen so far through the week, uh, that I continue to expect for the next coming races, even before the men's race. I think the women's race will be pretty fascinating as well. Everything's been good so far. So, uh, just continuing the trend of, of great racing through the year. I think we've been treated some really good races from the Giro to the Tour to the Vuelta. Classics were great. So hopefully we'll, we'll close it out. Well, there is Lombardia, but with the world championships <laughs> here, that is entertaining. Uh, let's get to the list of contenders. So, men's, world's, contenders. Uh, we could start with any number of different riders or, or teams here because it's it's a relatively open affair, world's. Uh, there There is a bookie's favorite, but he's not an odds-on favorite by any means, and there's a number of guys who could conceivably... Uh, it seems it seems like an odds failure to me. ...contest uh, this race. Uh, let's, let's start with the most stacked of the teams, that being the Belgian squad, which has three leaders and and then you know f- four other guys who like nobody would be that surprised if they won uh greg van avermaet philippe gilbert remco evenepoel the young remco evenepoel all of those guys could conceivably win this race van avermaet just showed he has very strong form winning the gp montreal philippe gilbert looked great at the vuelta remco's look great all year uh rode to second in the time trial world championships Despite his young age, uh, this is a stack squad. And even behind those guys, they got guys like Tim Wellens who are going to go on the attack and make things interesting. So the Belgian squad. Yves Lampard just won Tour of Slovakia. So like that's, that's where their domestiques are. That's, exactly. It, yeah. That, that's a, a domestique on the Belgian. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Oliver Nassen, domestique on this team. Uh, Dylan Toons, like Tim, Tim DeClerc, who rides for a quick step, pretty much the only rider on this team who is like used to being a, a domestique. The other guys are generally team leaders. About 60K in, I expect he will sit on the front and pedal hard for three hours. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> do his job. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah, so Belgium with, with just a number of options. And I think Belgium's going to want to try to make this a hard race. They're going to try to take advantage of the conditions. Uh, this is a very much a classics style race and they have some classics style guys. I like their chances of, of putting somebody up there onto the podium. Who is going to be? It, it's tough to say. Van Avermaet, I think is probably the top guy because he does have that finishing kick if it comes down to a small group. But yeah, this is a strong team, powerhouse team. I think they're going to, they're going to control the race and, and do what they can to, uh, to make things hard. A guy whose team I think is going to be entirely behind him without this sort of uh, leadership struggle at the top, Matthew Vanderpool. He is the bookie's favorite right now to win the world title. He happens to be a world champion already in a different discipline. 
uh, that does involve riding through the mud. And lots of off-cambers. Yeah, so you'd think... And, be- and beating Belgians. <laughs> That's a really excellent point at the end there. Uh, he also happens to be the reigning Amstel Gold Race champion, and a lot of people have commented on how similar these races are. Vanderpool's on fire right now. Uh, that helps. Yeah, he just looks like he should be the favorite, despite, again, his young age. A lot of young guys we're going to be talking about. Uh, he's just got everything that this course, I think, requires a winner to have. And he's got a great finishing kick that he showed a couple times this year as well. Uh, maybe a little bit unexpectedly good. So he's going to be a tough guy to beat. I, I, it's interesting to compare this team with the Belgian team. I, I, Belgium's definitely has that more stereotypical, like we have a ton of strong guys and we can really control the race. Uh, the, the Dutch team is also super strong, but it's a really interesting mix of guys. You have, you know, Balcom Alamo, who can be a Grand Tour contender, who is, you know, a, a, an occasional classics winner. Uh, he, like, they're not going to be able to totally boss this event, but I think you're going to see a lot of aggression, especially in the late stages of the race, kind of like we saw with the U.S. team today. Guys kind of going up the road, other guys following moves and trying to break them up. And then, you know, if the guy up the road looks like he's flagging, use that that time they spent kind of sitting on and screwing up the chase to then become the guy who goes off the front. I agree, Vanderpool, hands down, going to be the leader of this team, going to be the favorite. They're going to try to put him in position to be faster than everyone else over the last 60 to 80 seconds of this race, which, which seems to be his, like, his un, unmatchable superpower is just how hard he can go for, for that length of time. Uh, but I, I, I love the way these two teams match up against each other from a spectator point of view. Yeah, definitely. We, we did see, you mentioned his superpower. We saw that at the Tour of Britain, by the way, where he was dominant. Um, and just, yeah, he had another, he, he just was on another level in those finishes. Um, one thing I think it's interesting to note about Matthew Vanderpool is basically he spent most of his uh, career as a pro cyclist winning races that last about an hour. And this race is going to last a lot more than an hour. Uh, 280K is a long time to be on the bike. With anybody else coming from the cross world, I would say, I don't know. I mean, that, that's a long, that's a long way to go. But Amstel Gold is 265K. Uh, he won that. Flanders, he was fourth. I mean, that's 260-something K. He has clearly shown that he can handle these distances despite the fact that he comes from cross. Uh, I think that's it's just another um, sign of how talented Vanderpool is. Uh, moving on to another guy who's the clear leader of his team, with apologies to Uri, Peter Sagan, <laughs> the three-time world champion, who I think would be the favorite for this year's road race, which really suits his skill set to a T. Uh, if he had shown a little bit more in the results department in the past couple of months, he just, I mean, he hasn't been that strong, at least relative to Peter Sagan terms, uh, in the last couple of races he's, he's been in. I mean, he was, he looked good in, in, in Canada. Don't get me wrong. He was, uh, on the podium in Quebec, but he has not been dominant. And I think that's the question mark is what is Sagan's form heading into, uh, worlds? I mean, he could, he could just be keeping fresh. We don't know, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think they're, I think we kind of saw last year where he came into worlds looking pretty serious about it and was before things even really got interesting in the race was, was out the back. And I mean, that was not a course for him at all. And like we said, these are very different courses. This is much more of a classics course than a, than a climbers course, but I think. I think Sagan may be getting to a point in his career where he's he's starting to pick his objectives a little bit more, and, and maybe this one just isn't uh, isn't top of the list for him. 
Uh, one interesting thing to note, while he's generally been really good uh, coming into Worlds in, in a couple of his three world titles, back in 2015, uh, he pulled out of the Vuelta after Stage 8, didn't race until Worlds, and won the thing. And that was almost a month uh, of uh, racing layoff. So the guy knows how to win Worlds. Uh, he's done it three times. I don't think he's the kind of rider you want to count out. Plus, like I said, the the, the course just suits him uh, perfectly, I think. He is fast enough to win a sprint at the end. He can get away. Yeah. It is worth noting he has only three teammates here uh, compared to the, these these maxed out squads uh, that, that we've had for the other contenders. Uh, nothing he's unfamiliar with. And is, certainly there are going to be Bora riders in the peloton that he will be able to at least be friendly with, if not teammates with. So, But something to mention nonetheless. Yeah, indeed. Uh, another team that's going to be all in on, on their guy, I think, and I think this is actually generally true for most of the teams that aren't Belgium, um, France, Julian Alaphilippe. He is a rider who has proven uh, to be quite talented this year in, in ways that people didn't quite expect him to be climbing at the Tour de France better than anybody ever believed uh, he'd be able to do. I think he'd probably want this course to be a little bit harder, uh, maybe a little bit more like Liège than like uh, Amstel. Nonetheless, because he is a very fast sprinter, I think he's going to be able to be a contender kind of no matter how this race plays out. He's a guy who could make pretty much any race hard. Uh, we really saw him kind of picking his moments for for gaining time or not losing time at the Tour de France this year, which was just, I love that kind of racing. I am a little bit less in love with his team. Um, they do have a lot of bodies, but you know, there's there's not a ton of of that high tier firepower that's really going to come in handy towards the end of a race this long and this hard. Uh, one thing to know for Alaphilippe, he does have a cross background. Before he uh, before he became the road star he is, he did a fair bit of cross racing. Was quite good at it as a youngster. Uh, if we're talking about cross riders thriving on this course, uh, you got to include him as well. Obviously, Peter Sagan in the same boat. Uh, I think you're, that says something about. Uh, but the the success of cross riders recently. Uh, well, Sion's more of a mountain biker conversion. I feel. Yeah, like. off road generally. Yeah, like if they still had dual slalom, I think he might be <laughs> a dual slalom racer. Uh, we should probably mention the reigning world champion at some point here. Uh, it's the it's the kind of race, world's men's elite men's road race, uh, that you, you maybe don't necessarily find yourself feeling obligated to mention the defending champion because the course changes every year. Uh, and, and this year's course, I think it doesn't suit Alejandro Valverde, Spain's leader and the defending world champion, nearly as much as last year's race did. Just the same. Valverde can kind of win on anything. anything. I mean, <laughs> outside of a, of a big bunch sprint on a pan flat day, Alejandro Valverde can win a bike race. And uh, he looks to be in pretty good form coming out of the Vuelta. He's got a fine Spanish team. They've got a lot of firepower. Uh, I, I think he's, yeah, he's not a guy you can count out. He's not going to be the, the same level of favorite as he was last year. But uh, it's one of those things. It's like, I don't, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised if, if Valverde defends his, his title. What's, what's interesting is we've been comparing, uh, we compared this to Amstel Gold a lot. And despite Valverde's success in the, in the Ardennes, I mean, four four Lieges, I think five Flesh Wallones. He's never won Amstel. Yeah, yeah. It's just not hard enough, I think, to, to perfectly suit him. Although, again, he's certainly a contender in that race, like he is here. Um, I think at this point, we're, we're sort of into the sort of second or third tier. I mean, we, but there are still a lot of guys, because it's a pretty open race, that 
yeah, they could very conceivably win the thing. Uh, Michael Matthews stands out to me coming off of his recent win in Canada. I think he's a guy who's going to have a strong support of his team. And it's an Australian team that has had trouble backing one guy occasionally over the last several years. I don't think they're having that problem now. Since forever, I feel like. Yeah, yeah I agree. They're, they're on the same page here. But they when, even when Cadell Evans won the road race, yeah. uh, Garens was trying to usurp him and be like, nah, I'm the guy for this. With, with Matthews, you have a rider who is very fast in a finale. Uh, I think he's going to want this to come down to a reduced sprint. He doesn't have that many results in his career that involved him going off the front, although he has tried it. Uh, I think he's going to be, he and his team are going to be pulling to keep this thing together for a sprint. Uh, you might say the same about a couple of the purer sprinters here. Um, Matteo Trentin, not one of them. I think he's a guy who, very similar to Michael Matthews, has his team behind him, is going to be pulling for a reduced sprint, but making sure it's a hard race so that you drop these other guys and it's uh, it, it comes down to a smaller group. Yeah, I, I really like Trentin as a dark horse here. He's Trentin, excuse me, as a dark horse here. He's He's very good. He's like a Swiss army knife kind of guy. Like he's not amazing at any one thing, but he's very skillful. And I think you combine this sort of longer race, these weird roads, bad weather. You're throwing a lot of variables in that sort of mix up the, the, the ideal condition advantages that, that, that people would have on paper. And I think that plays really into the hands of a guy who has, like I said, a really broad skill set, a lot of different ways he can win. Um, I've got a couple of uh, potential attackers in mind who I'm hoping are going to at least make this race interesting no matter what happens. Alexei Lukshenko is a rider who has been on great form recently, uh, winning in Italy in the, in the Italian one-day circuit. A little bit of kind, of kind of shades of Peter Sagan at Worlds where his Kazakh team is just not going to be filled with heavy hitters uh, like you'd expect from the Belgium team. Vino, Vino puts too much work into a Snana. <laughs> That's right. He can't yeah. get the national team together. Yeah. Uh, he's too busy racing triathlons as well. Uh, yeah, so uh, Lusheko, though, he's a guy got to watch. The Danish squad has some potential attackers in Casper uh, Asgreen. Michael Valgren, who's got a fast finish as well. Jdenek uh, Stibar, potential attacker from the Czech squad. And he's a guy who uh, obviously has a, a cyclocross background, if we can come back to that again. Uh, the home team with Ben Swift, who has done some fine sprints in Milano San Remo over the years. Uh, and then there's a, a host of sprinters here who will hope to keep things together, hope for a less hard race. You got guys like Sam Bennett, Pascal Ackerman, John Degenkolb as well in the German squad. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not liking their chances, to be honest. I think it's going to be too hard. I think the rain's going to be a problem, the wind, all that stuff. But there are some some really fast guys here. Uh, Alexander Kristoff can usually handle the bad weather. He'll be here for he, Norway. He, he, the Norwegians love this stuff. Yeah, man. they're they're rainy people. Um, yeah, I, I think. Uh, what do you think? That's a pretty fair accounting of the start list. Are you ready to name some favorites? Yeah, I think I am. I can go first for us. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Peter Sagan to win number four. I think he's just lurking, just wow. waiting to come out and. And surprise everyone, uh, win his fourth world title on a course that is tailor-made for his skill set. Uh, and and I, I like the fact that he can do it either if it comes down to a reduced sprint or he can kind of make a late attack. He's just that versatile. Uh, I think Matthew Vanderpool is going to be right up there. And I think Greg Van Avermaet, as he often does, is going to make the winning move. And he's not going to win the actual race, <laughs> but he'll be there uh, on the final podium. That is, that's a bold pick with, with Peter Sagan. Um, 
I, I'm going to go with Matthew Vanderpool. I think he's super fit. I think he's good to go. Great team. Like, likes the course and conditions. Um, he's, he's been so well managed through his, his development as a rider. Um, kind of almost hilariously so with his, he's like got everything laid out. Like, I'm going to do mountain bike worlds. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But uh, he's just, he's got a, yeah, I think everything's lining up for him, even with the bad weather, especially with the bad weather. Um, I like Philippe in second. I think he will try to do whatever he can to make adequate space between him and uh, and Vanderpool before the finish, and I just don't think it's going to come together for him. And then I like uh, I like Trenton in third. Like I said, really good dark horse, a guy who's going to try and mix things up, go with some moves. I I, I think it's just the, the he's not going to have enough to get away from this race. So there you have it. Uh, hope you have a chance to watch. Hope you have a chance to watch the women's race as well. It should be a good one. Powerhouse Dutch team. The Netherlands with a team that's sort of like the Belgian men's squad for the, for the men's race in that there's all these potential winners. But yeah, you've got some other dark horses in there. Chloe Dygert Owen. Yeah, I think say, United, United States. Yeah. The time trial by a minute and a half. That's, uh, it's something. You know. Yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. Hope you've enjoyed the show and hope you get a chance to watch Worlds. There's not a whole lot of racing left. So, you know, you should watch because you're going to have a long off season. Fortunately, we do have Il Lombardia coming up. One last monument classic. Uh, but first, Worlds and a chance for the rainbow jersey to change hands or, or maybe not. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, yeah. Hope you've enjoyed. This has been the Recon Ride. I'm Dane Cash. And I'm Cosmo Catalano. And that's our show. <laughs>